0: It's Ari Rosenbaum here with another fun-filled episode of That 401k Podcast. Uh, this week's topic, we're going to talk about the long-term effects of COVID on 401k plant providers as we slowly get out of this nightmare. Uh, but of course, first things first, May 20th, uh, That 401k Virtual Bunch with Scott Tanker, good friend of mine, long time in the business. Uh, his father was one of the, I think, founders of ASPA, so it'd be great to talk to somebody who, unlike us, where the the... Uh, like us who grew up in the industry and uh has been a big uh, part of it for uh the last uh, 30 some odd years um and of course we're coming back with live events in person thankfully hopefully uh september uh september 10th will be in st louis bush stadium uh september 24th will be in minneapolis the target field september 29th that is a wednesday start time uh we had to arrange it for a Wednesday, so it's it's, it's an odd duck. But I, I think that you know, uh, City Field and Wrigley were not on Fridays; they were actually on Thursdays. But anyway, uh, we'll be back live. Hundred bucks gets you in. Um, lunch, five hours of content, meet and greet with a former uh, great baseball great. We'll have a limited amount of tickets available for per, uh, for uh, as comps. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, always enjoyable. Uh, I'm looking forward to uh, adding three more um, baseball stadiums to my uh, list of uh, stadiums that I've, I've been to. I'm, I was up to 16, and last year and change, uh, it's been um, stagnant at 16, so hopefully we can increase it by three. And then build for 2022, go to that 4 uh to sign up for the information. We're still adding uh, uh, plant provider sponsors as well. Um, and th- this week, um, if you uh, if you missed it, uh, we had a very special episode of that four K virtual bunch with uh, Congressman Jamie Raskin. Uh, wanted to talk about that. It's up on YouTube. Um, if you missed it, uh, you know people know that you know with the, that four K national virtual conference. I interviewed Walt Frazier and Doc Gooden. Um, you know Congressman Raskin. It was was. It was awfully special to talk to him. It was quite some time where I actually spoke to him. Um, I have not been to my law school since 1998. Whatever contact we've had, it's been through email or uh, messaging and all that stuff. Um, So it was great to see him. Uh, You know, I I try to keep politics out of uh, my discussions. But obviously, when you have a congressman, uh, politics is, you know, part of the equation. And Uh, Of course, um, I'm right of center, uh, Congressman Raskin is very, very left, but, uh, you know, my appreciation of him, it's, it's a personal thing. Um, he was the associate dean of my law school. Uh, I did not like my (laughs) law school. I felt that, uh, you know, I, I think that, um, one of the things in my life that, uh, I don't think I'm passive aggressive, but one of the things that gets me upset is when, you know, you're sold a bill of goods and there's no um, delivery of those bill of goods. And I always talk about plant providers, they'll promise the moon and and deliver less. Uh, And and that law school did. And I was very, very um, upset at at how things went. And uh, he was my source of, uh, uh, he was a voice who who listened when nobody else would. Um, He was a strong support of mine. Um, when, um, I was the editor-in-chief of my law school news magazine, The American Jurist, I was very, very critical of law school. He was always supportive, never took it personally. Um, and when there was a story that broke that exposed one of the journals, uh, with a, a scandal, with, uh, you know, time records and, and people supposedly not doing the work and not, you know, in, but getting academic credit for it, he was my, one of my strongest supporters, Um, and when the journal tried to punish the people that they believed that were responsible for talking to me, um, Congressman Raskin made sure that they would graduate on time without any type of punishment. Um, and that's the kind of person he is. And and, and I, I think that so much of my career and in my writings, I think that I dwell on the negative, um, on how people treated me badly, um. And I do that, not, I, I don't think I'm a negative person anymore, as I as I was at law school, a pessimist. But, you know, I treat people the way I want to be treated. And when somebody like, you know, I, I always tell the story of the uh, guy who was the law firm administrator, Fred, uh, Wright said Fred. Um, he, he was mean and cruel. Uh, he, you know, would throw you under the bus. He would say, you know, Ari... You know, send me uh, a retainer letter draft so I don't give it to Lois, the managing attorney. Let me manage it, and I'll help you edit it, and then you could give it to her. So what does he do? He doesn't return it back to me to get edited. He just simply gives it to Lois. So it was like, what's the point? And Lois is like, oh, I saw that letter, and uh, you know, making you know, light of it that somehow I was like a used car salesman or something. And you know, I think the point is, you know, I, I do on the negative with, you know, interactions with former co-workers because when you have a choice um, to be kind and to be cruel, um, it's far easier to be kind uh, and it's far better to be kind. Why would I, you know, I don't think that there's anybody in this business who maybe says bad things about me except for, you know, one or two people and, and the reason they have bad things about me is because I exposed... Um, uh, something bad that a TPA was doing. Uh, I always try to do what I think is the right thing. Um, And when you're involved with a TPA that's hiding revenue sharing and and pocketing it, um, and you were a a top person there, yeah, I think you're going to be upset with me. I, I get it. But I never went out of my way to be cruel to people. I always try to help people out. And... That Congressman Raskin thing, again, he didn't have to be nice. He didn't have to be kind. He didn't have to listen to me. I was never a student of his, even though he said I was I was his favorite pupil. But, you know, that's a politician talking. <laughs> I'm sure he'll. if he was interviewed by another student, he would probably say the same thing. But he was, he's a lovely man. And I think the point that I was trying to come across is that, you know what, you don't have to agree with somebody politically to appreciate them and to like them. Uh, again, I would say uh, maybe I agree with him 15, 20 percent of the time and back in the days of law school maybe it was five percent of the time. But what he is is decent. he's a decent, decent man. He has uh, you know a, a solid head on his shoulders. He's brilliant uh, that you know something I would never be. I, I didn't go to Harvard College and Harvard University and Harvard Law School. he did. Uh, he's utterly brilliant and politics hasn't changed him, um, And I never thought that politics would. And so that's why I think that, uh, you know, if you have uh, 25 minutes out of your time, go to YouTube and look that up. So uh, let's get on finally to the topic. The long-term effects of COVID. Uh, I really think that, um, you know, uh, when you look in, in certainly my lifetime, COVID is probably the greatest challenge that, you know, I've ever experienced, you know, I I speak here from my house downstairs where there was six feet of water here from Hurricane Sandy. And that was certainly personally very, very challenging. Um, When you lose power and you both cars are destroyed and you have two little kids in your house and half the house is destroyed, you have your own personal set of challenges. Uh, I've been very, very lucky with COVID. I didn't get it fully vaccinated finally um so I, I don't think that i'll be getting it uh, but you never know with these things nothing's ever foolproof but obviously for society i think that, that you know that this covid uh, pandemic is certainly the most challenging you know we didn't you know let's not poo poo you know people going through world war ii um whether it was you know eastern europe western europe um or, you know, the United, even just the United States, uh, you know, here in the United States, uh, where I didn't have family at the time, uh, my family was in Europe, um, you know, people in the United States did suffer. Um, you know, they didn't suffer as much as Eastern European and Western Europeans, uh, but they did suffer, you know, ration coupons. But more importantly, young boys being enlisted, um, being drafted to fight, and hundreds of thousands not coming home. So, you know, um, I would say that World War II is probably more challenging um, when you're fighting tyranny and, and fascism and, and, and whatnot. Um, you know, it's, it's a very challenging time, but more importantly, I believe that once this is over, and I think that we're coming out of it, uh, you know, uh, you know, I, I wish that people would take things more carefully. There's a vaccine that's out there. Uh, It's not just about you, it's about other people. I think that people forget that when it was this pandemic. But I think we're getting out of it. But I do believe that even if we're out of it, we're still going to have long-term effects of COVID. Some, I think, are actually positive effects, positive long-term effects. Um, Yeah. the pandemic started. I mean, this is how crazy it is. The pandemic, you know, in my mind, initially started uh, when I'm on an airplane uh, headed back from that 401k national conference, my first and, and probably only national live event for uh, uh, for, and the reason for the, that being probably the only national event I, ever, I will ever do. We'll talk about it in this um, article why. But I was on a, uh, you know, airplane ride back uh, with my buddy Larry, with my family, and that's when the NBA announced that they were uh, suspending the season. Um, we left on the Wednesday night. Uh, by Sunday, the park was closed, and was closed for quite a few months. So Wednesday, we get home. Wednesday night, late. Fridays, my kids, eventually what we learned to be, we learned after, was the last day of live instruction until September. Um... Uh, you know, I, I really, you know, I'm not, one of the things I really hate about this coronavirus pandemic and whatnot is that everybody has become a expert in epidemiology, uh, epidemiology uh, in infectious diseases. And I, I'm not an expert, because uh, I can't even pronounce, uh, you know, epidemiologist. Uh, but, you know, I had, had hoped and I had thought that, you know, after a couple of weeks of a lockdown we'd get out of it. And that somehow I'd still have those events and uh, not certainly not Houston that was scheduled for April, but, you know, St. Louis and Minnesota, I thought that was going to happen. And, and of course it didn't. Um, I still think that, you know, regardless, COVID is certainly going to have uh, an effect on, on how we do things. Um, you know, uh, yeah, I think that uh, one of the things that really came out of it is that I, I believe that the retirement plan business was severely tested by COVID and it came out with flying colors. I think that that's something that we should be proud of. Um, yeah, the stock market tanked in, in March and only to come back higher and higher and higher, but I think that it was certainly challenging concern about plans that you know had to have a partial termination, a termination or removal of safe harbor contributions or whatever it may be. But I think that the um, the retirement plan business withheld uh, we, uh, such an attack on, on on its underpinnings, which is clients. Uh, I think this was, a, you know, we look at September 11th as uh, this national tragedy, which it was. I, I remember being in the office that day when it happened. I mean, it's, it's something you never forget. I was in Syosset when it happened. And, you know, that was this, you know, a strike that hit the underpinnings—you know—the stock market was closed for a week. Massive sellings uh, right after the, the markets uh, opened again, and it was a very, very challenging time. But I find that you know this um, is 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 certainly more challenging, and you know to steal a line from Winston Churchill, I believe that this was uh, the retirement industry's finest hour uh, in dealing with this pandemic. Um, I don't see any plant providers going out of business. I see a lot of plant providers being bought out, continued. I mean, a census just was bought out by private equity. Um, so, it, it, you know, the industry rise rose to the challenge, which I think is extremely important and, and something that we should um, be proud of as, as people who are in the retirement plan industry. We always talk about the negativity, but I really believe that this industry withstood Uh, a huge um, threat and and came out with flying colors and one of the reasons I think they did is um, we realized that the technology is there for people to work from home Um, you know I've been in the retirement plan business um, for 22 years now and I didn't get access to my work emails from a mobile device which was at the what was that? Uh, BlackBerry. See, I don't even remember what it was, but yeah, BlackBerry. You know, they, we couldn't have an iPhone because of the security reasons or whatever it was. I, it wasn't until I was at that semi prestigious law firm that I got a BlackBerry. Um, you know, my son loved it a lot more than I did. He was playing around with it. Um, before that time that I had access to my work emails, I always dreaded going on vacation. Um, always dreaded that there was going to be like a stockpile of uh, file folders on my desk, and hundreds and hundreds of emails, um, and, and and it was certainly you know something that I always feared. Um, again. Um, it was challenging. Uh, it, it was something that I, you know, I, I, I guess that's my anxiety. You have this fear that all of a sudden you, you take off for like a week or two, and all of a sudden, you know, everything's there, and, and, and you're going to have to take uh, weeks and weeks to to get out of that, you know, hole that you dug yourself by going on vacation. And um, when I worked for you know TPAs. Uh, back in the late 90s, early 2000s, you know, we had a few administrators who would work from home a couple of days a week, and I thought it was some sort of scam. Um, because people really didn't have easy access to their uh, work computers like they do now. Um, you know, a lot of uh, the software is, you know, uh, it's not even software; it's just accessing a website. Um, you know, I can write, you know, I can write retirement documents uh, while I'm vacation on the beach uh, because the technology is there and the interface is web-based and, and whatnot. So in the late 90s, early 2000s, we had a couple of administrators that I work with who, you know, work from home two days a week. And I thought it was a joke because there was no access. Um, and there was, I remember there was one time we had, uh, very first job I had, and we had a, a woman who was in charge of compliance We worked, our office was in Syosset. She lived in the city, so two days a week she would work from home. And I I use that with quotations, and I'm actually moving my hand when I say that now. And uh, the funny part was one of our other employees had a day off and ran into her uh, with her daughter. They had just come back from the zoo, uh, the Bronx Zoo. And, you know, supposedly this was her day of uh, working from home. So I used to always joke about that. So I never really worked from home because I couldn't really work from home. Um... But you know the technology has shown that people can work from home, and I think that it's very, very been very, very successful. Um, there was certainly, a, you know, what I thought it was a seamless transition from working at the office to working from home. You're on a lot of Zoom calls these days. I was on a Zoom call with uh, the uh, people, the local office from my, you know, plant provider. One of the plant, one of the big plant providers, they have like a local team, and I talked to them, and you could see, you know, people at their home. Uh, it's worked seamlessly um, and the technologies there where, you know, most uh, of your clients may not realize whether you're working at home or in the office. Um, you know, obviously one of the questions from people working from home is how long and, uh, you know, how long this will continue and whether working from home uh, may be a permanent thing for some employees. Uh, you know, I don't think working from home is certainly easy. Um, I had a tough time of it when, you know, I've been working from home since 2010, so I was really ahead of the game, but it was challenging when my kids were home, uh, because of hybrid learning and certainly in the spring when it was all virtual learning. Um, too many, you know, obviously working from home, again, has its challenges with kids and, you know, attractive nuisances, 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 you know, I got my Apple TV right here. I got my, uh, my gerbils upstairs, um, I got a garden to water outside every now because it's that, that time of the year. Um, I just think that it's something um, that a lot of plant providers are going to consider uh, for years. Uh, it would may allow them to cut back on their um, you know, office space um, as well as the location. Um, you know, the beauty of going out on my own, I decided, you know, I would get a, uh, a UPS box, UPS store box. I'm not ashamed to admit it. It's a UP, my address in Garden City is a UPS store box. It's been that way for 11 years now. And uh, working from home had its advantages, and namely, um, I didn't have to shell out money for rent. Uh, you know, a, a, mo- a mortgage bill with my school taxes is, is, is a big enough nut to pay. Uh, I don't have the Long Island Railroad anymore. Um, That was a few hundred bucks and and whatnot. And, you know, working from home uh, makes your day longer uh, and and more, um, you know, productive because, you know, you're not going on the Long Island Railroad and losing two, two and a half hours of your life because, you know, you got to walk to the station, park your car, uh, walk from Penn to the office, whatnot. And, you know, working from home, also has the advantage of being less ill um i don't think i was ever more you know maybe college but college you live in the dorms it's space but you know working um, in the city and, and touching things on long island railroad um in and, and subway and whatever it is and working close to people and touching door handles and, and whatnot um, I would get sick a lot more than I am now. Now it's a rarity, so now because I'm rarely sick, when I do get sniffles or some sort of cold, I'm even more unbearable. But uh, I think that uh, we will see many plant providers that may offer their employees the opportunity to work from home permanently. Uh, That, of course, has its whole host of other problems because how do you deal with the employees that can't, that have to be in the office? we see it even like in some of the job ads where uh, tpas are hiring plan administrators and saying you know we'll let you work from home permanently um i just think that this is a different way of doing things and uh that again one of the reasons that employers may want to opt that way is the size and location of their workplace they would be able to you know shrink uh the footprint of the space they need if they have people working permanently from home i also think that uh Realizing the mobile nature um, of the workplace now, thanks to technology and and of course, thanks to COVID, employers may decide um, that they don't need that fancy midtown office. I worked uh, at at Geller Group and at um, Mariswazi, Uh, literally, you know, they were a block away from each other, but they were right by Penn Station. That Space is expensive to rent. I don't care what you. I don't know what the price is, but any kind of uh, any decent space in Midtown Manhattan certainly would be a lot of money. And both. Uh, I know both firms. Well, Geller doesn't even exist anymore. I think it's now part of Sentinel. Mayer um, Swasey is, you know, it's a fraction of what it was. Uh, they made such heavy cutbacks of New York office. That's about eighty percent less than it was when I was there. But uh, I'm, I'm sure that they're considering, you know what, let people work from home permanently in the New York office. We don't need that space, and we'll save the money and the rent. And I think that a lot of firms, especially TPA firms, why do I need to be in the city? Um, Everything is going to be mobile. Uh, let's have an office in the suburbs. It's, you know, it's going to be a lot cheaper. Um, so I think that... Um, I think that there's so many reasons why from a financial uh, aspect of it, but I think that psychologically, uh, I think um, we don't know this yet, but I, I just think that uh, there's going to be a psychological impact of people who have worked from home for the past year and so going back to the office and maybe having PTSD of some sort. Um, you know, I, I can I can see myself having PTSD. Um, I I... I, I, I <laughs> I got my shot um, in mid April and um, I, I waited the two weeks. If, you, if you've seen the uh, YouTube videos over the last six months, you will notice that I did not cut my hair. You'll see on the Raskin video that I did. Uh, so, you know, talking about PTSD, I waited two weeks for my shot. Uh, I decided after six months, I, I, I didn't like the way I cut it myself. And I didn't want to go to a barber. I was just afraid of that close contact. So, wait two weeks, go to the barber that I've been using for the last five, six years. He's not there, but his other barber is, and his other barber is not wearing a mask, and I just will walk out. I just, I'm vaccinated. Uh, You know, I'm not going to take a chance uh, because it's not 100%. And uh, no thanks. If I had that, Fear of that haircut, I was certainly not going to allow somebody not wearing a mask. So that's my PTSD. But I really think that people are going to have some psychological issues. You know, I'm not going to have that psychological issue about going back to the office for work because my home is my office. Uh, If I have PTSD about my home, that's a whole other story. But I think that people are going to have a lot of issues uh, in going back to work in the office. And... uh, Another, I think, effect of um, you know COVID that's going to have a long-term effect is I think you're going to see uh, traveling take a, a cut. Uh, the travel budget um, will certainly be cut for a lot of plant providers. Um, travel, you know, takes time and money, but more importantly, time. There was nothing worse. You know, I would always make a joke about travel for business. You know, being in my firm, you know, I've been to San Diego. I've been to all parts of the country Kansas City um, l a whatever it is for the conferences as well Tampa Bay um, you know all these events and and hopefully September but there was nothing worse than working for Swazing, going to have to see a client in Albany New York, taking the train up or you know we talk about awful birthdays I remember uh, my birthday was was uh, was a week or so ago and um I remember on my birthday i had to go to a conference in albany to speak about Arissa. i mean there's nothing i mean i'm i apologize to anybody who lives in albany but it's not one of my favorite cities i just I, I hate new york state government and that's the seat of the new york state government so um you know the thing about traveling is is the amount of time um, it uh, it takes out of your day. I, I know one of the attorneys I traveled, with, he would try to do work on the train and I certainly couldn't. I didn't have access to work so I think it's the time I first was able to watch A Dark Knight and uh, some other movies. But uh, one of the benefits of, of certainly um, COVID is, you know, the ease of using Zoom or Microsoft Teams or WebEx or whatever the heck you're using. I never had a Zoom subscription at all until the COVID uh, broke and um, it's been a great tool. Uh, you know, when I had that first 401k virtual conference back last April, we had 300 people on the call. Um, you know, obviously with, you know, multiple more more events that the, the um, attendance trailed off. The last one I had, I think we had 30 people or whatever, but, uh, I think it's a really great tool. And I think the plant providers have seen that, uh, in terms of, uh, it allows you to have meetings, uh, virtually instead of in-person, which, again, takes a lot of time and a lot of travel. You know, I know uh, uh, James Holland, a good friend of mine, who's a advisor in Charlotte, North Carolina. A lot of clients in New York. Um, he's got a national practice. Um, I don't know what his plans are, but I would imagine um, going forward and dealing with clients, uh, there may be more Zoom time um, because, you know, it cuts back on his travel, cuts back on his costs, cuts back on um, the time of the, the clients. Um, less pers- less time to entertain somebody. Um, you know, why does a plan provider have to spend time and travel to see a client somewhere else when a virtual conference or a virtual meeting or whatever it is certainly saves time uh, and allows you to schedule. Um, you know, meetings with clients all around the country without having to leave your office, making more use of your time. And of course, there are going to be certain client relationships based on asset size and based on, you know, maybe uh, their needs where you're going to have to do uh, live and in-person meetings. I have a client where I'm the 316 administrator of a school out here in Suffolk County. I imagine, um, a special needs school I imagine at a certain point they would want me to come back for the quarterly meeting. I just know that based on their based not only forget about the fee um but more importantly based on the relationship and their desire to meet people face to face. I also believe that uh their going to plant providers that are going to cut back on travel uh, to conferences. Um, again, um, national events. I think that uh, NAPA will be okay. Um, I think that uh, FI360 will be okay. Certainly Schwab Impact. Um, but there'll be some you know, other national events that are going to see a, a, a drawback in business and in attendance. And I, that's why I don't want to really try another 401k national event because I believe that you know, the virtual events work. That's why next year's uh, national event will be virtual, get more people uh, in attendance. Uh, people would rather pay $20, $20.22, $20 $20. go to that sitecom for further information to attend the virtual national event, spend two days, uh, back-to-back days, uh, and still have the ability to work from home, uh, go to sleep uh, in their own bed. You not know, pay hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars in, um, you know, uh, airline tickets and hotel rooms and whatnot. And so that's why um, I believe that, um, you know, a lot of plan providers, you know, it's a, it's a great way to cut down on costs. And, uh, you know, a Zoom subscription is far uh, less costly than an airline ticket. You know, my monthly Zoom, you know, my monthly Zoom bill, is certainly less than a price of a ticket to Washington, D.C. And that's why I believe that a lot of plant providers are just going to cut back uh, on all travel that they believe is going to be unnecessary. Uh, Still have those regional events. You know, Advisor in Houston, um, it's easy for them to go to Minute Maid Park. Uh, same thing with St. Louis and, and Minneapolis, but to ask people to travel across the country and your name is not NAPA or FI360 or ASPA or some of these really large events, I've excelled. You know, they're, they always get a good crowd. I, I assume that will continue. But a lot of these secondary national events are just not going to um, get that attendance anymore, I believe, because I think that people will realize that, you know what? We sent them to NAPA, we sent them to FI 360, Excel, uh, you know, uh, Ross Marino is uh, somebody I always admire and know in um, no long time. I think those events will certainly do well, but some of the other ones, uh, they will certainly see a drawdown in attendance. And, you know, talk about NAPA, they're September, I think, 12th through the 14th. Uh, I made sure that the Bush Stadium event on September the 10th didn't uh, interfere. Uh You'll see with them; they'll they actually will probably have uh, less attendance, just because I know that still there are some providers out there that are not going to let uh, their employees travel. Uh, I reached out to friends of mine to sponsor, you know, some events in September, and you know, I know that they're not allowing uh, these plant providers to send their people out, which means that they're not going to sponsor events. Uh, obviously, we're now in May, and, and certainly by July, that may change. It may change their opinion. But we'll see what happens. But I really believe uh, long term travel, uh, you're gonna see it less and less. It's gonna be uh, overall, you know, plan meetings with clients and, you know, attending national conferences. uh, You're going to see uh, certainly a cutback, uh, which puts more money in the wallet of the plan provider. I hope you enjoyed this extended uh, that 4 k podcast. We usually get it in uh, under 30 minutes. This week we did not want to talk about the Jamie Raskin interview. So I hope uh, you enjoy this and come back next week for another episode of that 401k podcast.